I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of Romans. Last week we were in Romans 11. This week, turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Familiar passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And he is sharing kind of his theological masterpiece but this is a turn now when Paul is moving from the teaching to what difference does it make? How do we live our lives? Romans chapter 12, we'll begin at verse 1 where Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As human beings, we often find ourselves in a dilemma. We want to be unique. We want to be individual. We want to be ourselves. And at the same time, we want to fit in. We want to be accepted by others. We want to be like everybody else. And so we find ourselves in this, how do I do that? How am I my unique individual self? And at the same time, be a part of the group and fit in, be like everybody else. So we realize I, I can be unique and individual so far and still be accepted. But if I go too far, I'll be seen as different. How do I do that? No wonder we find ourselves stressed so often. No wonder we as parents often are worried about our youth because they're wrestling with that dilemma. I want to be unique. I want to be myself. I want to be who God's called me to be even. At the same time, I want to fit in. And, and not only is this an issue for individuals, it's an issue for the church. We as the church, we want to be the people that God has called us to be at the same time, we don't want to be so different that we're cast aside. So how do we do this? How do we pull this off? Paul sees the pressure. Paul, as you know, grew up as a, as a Jew. He grew up as a child of Abraham. He was even a Pharisee. He was one of the leaders of the Jews. He knew the scripture. He knew the story and he had seen many times throughout the history of the people of God, where the people of God were called to be faithful, they were called to be different, they were called to be unique. And yet at the same time, when they would be in a new community, they would be in another country, they would be in a different culture or atmosphere, they would find themselves morphing in to being what the rest of the world was like. Instead of being called out to be different as the people of God. And we, the church, were the ecclesia, which means the called out. We are the called out people of God to be different. So 
Paul is writing this letter to the church at Rome, and earlier on he's been kind of setting things up for us. He's been telling us about the theology. This is Paul's masterpiece, as it's been called. It's, it's the essence of his heart. It's his theology. He's writing to the church at Rome, but he's writing just to the church. He's writing to us and sharing this is our faith. This is who we are. This is what we believe and then this is how we live. But look at how Paul sets it up in this beautiful book. Listen to some of his theology. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Since all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, they are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by His blood, effective through faith. Romans 5, 8, but God proves his love for us. Then that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and when we cry, Abba, Father, it's that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with Him so that we may be glorified with Him. Romans 8, 35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or COVID? No. And all these things were more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And His passion for sharing the faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Actually, if you back up one chapter to Romans 9, verse 3, you'll hear Paul say, you know, if, if I could be accursed by Christ and that would lead others to a relationship in Christ, I would do it. I would do it. And finally, Romans 10, verse 9, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. And skipping to Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul's been setting up through this whole book the theology and the faith. And that's why in chapter 12 he uses the word therefore. Anytime you hear the word, therefore, that means you have to look back what was said earlier. And this is what Paul's been doing, leading us up to see this amazing God who so loves us that He would give His Son for us. This God that nothing can separate us from His love through Christ Jesus our Lord. So now Paul says, so I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, I I beg you, I, I beseech you, I'm pleading with you, I, I want to encourage you to present yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. I, I want you to 
to live a life that's pleasing to God. I, I want you to live your life as an offering to God in response to all that God has done for us, in response to this God who so loved us that He would give His Son on a cross. I, I, want, I want us all then to live our lives in a way that reflects that we are children of God, acceptable to God, a life that's pleasing to God. Several years ago, a group by the name of Petra had a little song that would often be sung in worship that's, I love you, Lord. It goes, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. All my soul rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. So what Paul is encouraging us, live our lives in a way that, that, that puts a smile on the face of God, that's pleasing to God, that shows that we are different. He goes, this is your, your spiritual worship. Now the Greek word there actually is the word that means this is your logical worship. This is your reasonable worship. In other words, when we consider all that God has done for us, as Paul has been teaching us in the previous chapters, when we consider all that God has done for us, the way that God loves us, it's only logical, it's only reasonable, it's our spiritual worship that our lives then are, are lived in a way that brings glory and honor to God. We did a funeral memorial service just last week for one of our church members. His name was Mike, Mike Chilcott. And, and, and I loved worshiping with Mike. He came to our 815 service and he would sit over here just to my right about the middle of the sanctuary. He was typically one of the first ones who would arrive for worship. He would come early, sit down in the pew and pray fervently. I mean, it's just incredible to watch him, the intensity of his prayer. And we were having a conversation one day about, you know, his faith, his, his walk with God, and his intensity in prayer. Mike had been battling cancer for about six years or so, and a lot of times when he would come to worship, you could tell he was, he was tired, he had been working hard, he was brought in to bring the light rail system into the Charlotte area, and so he was one of the engineers that was putting that project together. He worked hard, never gave up, going through all the things that he was going through, and yet didn't miss worship. He was here to pray, and, and we talked about it, and he goes, well, I just... When I come to worship, I come into God's house. I, ju I just want to sit down and talk to my father. He goes, I'm actually amazed. I'm just absolutely amazed. I said, well, talk to me about it. I loved his testimony. He goes, I'm just amazed that this God who created the world, that this God who is so powerful and so almighty, that this God who has so many things to be dealing with, this God knows me by name. I just, I, that just blows my mind, he said. And this God who is so incredible and so powerful, he not only knows my name, he loves me, that he would die for me. He goes, how could I not be in worship? How could I not want to pray to a God like that? He, he just was absolutely 
amazed by this grace and by this God. And he goes, so I, I just want to live my life and be the, the kind of person that, that that God would want me to be. That's what Paul was calling for us to, in response to who this God is and all that he's done for us, to live our lives in a way that brings praise and glory and honor to God, that when they see us, they actually see through us and see God himself. I've been reading a book by Nabil Qureshi, and it's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. A Devout Muslim Encounters Christianity. It's quite a great book. If you listen to it on Audible as well, he actually reads his own book. So I have the hard copy and I'm listening to it at the same time. And in it, he talks about this journey of his faith where he was raised in the Muslim faith and, and he appreciates the faith and, and the raising that he had by his parents and the discipline and the dedication. But he shared that one day he was on his knees in the Muslim prayer hall and he was going through the prayers that he had been praying since the time he was a child while deep in his heart wrestling with, but are you Jesus? Did you come in the flesh, God? Did you, did you do this? And he's beginning to wrestle with his faith and who am I and what did, what did I believe? And, and in his book, he shares this beautiful thing. He said, he's having this conversation with God and he says, but how is it conceivable that Allah, the highest being of all, would enter into this world. This world is filthy and sinful. No place for the one who deserves all the glory and all the praise. And how could I even begin to suggest that God, the magnificent and splendid creator, would enter into this world through the birth canal of a girl to have to eat? to grow fatigue, to sweat and spill blood, and to be finally nailed to a cross. I cannot believe this. God deserves intimately more, infinitely more. His majesty is far greater than this. And then he pauses. But what if His majesty is not as important to him as his children are. Catch that. But what if his majesty is not as important to him as his children are? And he begins to wrestle with this God who would take on flesh and live among us that God himself would allow himself to be nailed to a cross for us. Paul said that's what we believe. And how then do we live our lives in a way that reflects that? So he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now Paul you have to know as one of the most educated people of his time, he was a rhetorician, which means he was gifted in language. And so Paul uses some very specific words here to make a point. And he says, do not be conformed. Do not be conformed. Now, that's suskamatizo is the Greek word. And, and what it means is, you know, to be conformed means to be put into a mold. 
to be pressed and pushed and placed into a mold. But instead, Paul says, be transformed. And that's the Greek word that's metamorphou. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. And that means to be changed. So don't be put into a mold and a pattern and made like everybody else. But have a metamorphosis, be changed, be transformed, to be different. If you look up the two words in the dictionary, even in Merriam-Webster dictionary, you can see that to conform, catch this, do not be conformed. To conform means to be similar or identical, to be obedient or compliant, to act in accordance with prevailing standards or customs. Paul said, don't be conformed, be transformed. Look that word up and it means to change in composition or structure, to change the outward form, to change the character or the condition. It means to convert, to change, to be different. Paul goes, you don't want to be conformed. That's allowing all the pressures of the world to push on you to mold you, to shape you, to put you in a mold that makes you compliant like everybody else. It makes you fit in to the culture. He says, no, you want to be different. God wants you to be transformed. That's changing from the the inside out. The metamorphosis is to be released from the inside to, to allow to be created new. It's the very word that's used when we think of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. So Paul's going, don't be pressed into a mold, but rather be released to be who God is calling you to be. Jesus did not come into the world to help us fit into culture. We're already doing that. He called to release us from it. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. That again is why the church, the ecclesia, is is the word to be called out. Not to be conformed into the world, but to be transformed through it. Eugene Peterson takes the scripture and he paraphrases it in the message. Now, the message is an interpretation of scripture, not a translation of it. It's an important distinction. So he's interpreting what the scripture means, not just translating it word for word. But he does a pretty powerful job here with Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 from the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can ever do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I want to repeat that line because I think that's powerful. 
don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, transformed. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Paul says, here's the challenge. Don't be conformed. You're the church. You are Christians. You're disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So don't allow the culture and the world around you to push on you, pressure you, and put you into a mold and shape you into what everyone else in the culture is, but rather allow God by His grace, by the mercies of God, allow yourself to be transformed. For God to bring out of you who you're called to be, transformed to be the people that God is making us to be. Years ago, there was a song by Chris Christian and Dwight Lyles. And we used to, in one of my previous churches, this song would be sung in, in lieu of, oftentimes, the doxology, especially in more of the praise and worship format. But it's called, We Are an Offering. And I want to invite you, just for a moment, as you hear these words, I want to invite you to, to just kind of turn your palms Godward. And what that is a symbol of is that we're open to receive this blessing to God. We're offering ourselves to God. So I just I want to invite you just where you are, just kind of lift your palms to God and hear these words and make this our prayer. We lift our voices. We lift our hands. We lift our lives up to you. We are an offering. Lord, use our voices. Lord, use our hands. Lord, use our lives. They are yours. We are an offering for all that we have, all that we are, all that we hope to be. We give to you. We give to you. We are an offering. We find ourselves in the dilemma. How are we unique and at the same time fit in? And Paul says, God called you and set you apart. And God wants you to be who God is calling you to be, to set you free not to be conformed into a mold with outside pressures squeezing you into what the rest of the world looks like. But God wants to allow you to have the metamorphosis, be transformed. Allow God to change you into being who God is calling you to be so you can then be 
not a caterpillar, but a butterfly. Uniquely used for the glory of God. And that will put a smile on the face of God. Will you pray with me? God, it is so easy for us to allow the pressures of the world to push on us, move us, mold us, shape us into what the culture wants. When what you're desiring to do is to come inside of us and then set us free from within so that we can be transformed. So God, we pray that you would transform us as Christians, as individuals, as disciples. Transform us. We give our individual lives to you now. Transform us into who you're calling us to be so that you can then transform us together as the church to be the church you're calling us to be. For God, if we have any hope of helping to transform the world for your glory and honor, you have to first transform us together to transform the church. And may we then offer this grace of Jesus Christ to the world that you may transform the world to be the creation that you intended us to be as the kingdom of God. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and Lord, the one who was willing to put on flesh so that we could put on your glory by your grace. Amen.